You are listening to the Nursing Home 411 podcast by the Long-Term Care Community Coalition. I'm your host, Eric Goldwine. I'm going to start by sharing a few stats. More than 1.4 million residents and 1 million staff in U.S. long-term care facilities have received their full doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. Relatedly, long-term care COVID death rates are at an all-time low of 0.2 deaths per 100,000. That's a tiny fraction of the peak rate of 2.8 per 100,000 back in April 2020. The worst of a pandemic that led to at least 180,000 long-term care deaths and 1.4 million cases might just be behind us. So where am I getting all these numbers? The Kaiser Family Foundation, KFF, is a tremendous resource for tracking all things nursing home data, both during and well before the COVID-19 pandemic. On this episode of the Nursing Home 411 podcast, I'm joined by Priya Chidambaram, a senior policy analyst at KFF, to chat about the latest nursing home numbers on vaccines and COVID, the limitations of state comparisons, and the process of collecting LTC data. You'll hear me mention the KFF dashboard several times throughout the interview. A link to that dashboard is available on our show notes page, whether you're accessing the episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on the Nursing Home 411 website. Hope you enjoy. Here's our music by Silverman Sound Studios. Thanks, Priya, for coming on the podcast. Uh, Kaiser Family Foundation has been an invaluable resource for LTCCC uh, for tracking all things nursing home data. This is cases, vaccinations, state-by-state trends, both in data and policy, demographic data, uh, you name it. Now, we're going to talk about the findings in a little bit, but before we do that, where does, does KFF get these data from? Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer depends on the type of data we're talking about. So I myself, I am an expert in the long-term care data specifically. The long-term care data comes from the state websites. So to collect the long-term care data, we are going to 51 different state pages every week and collecting that data manually. Early on, we considered doing a more automated process, web scraping, writing code to be able to uh, collect that data more automatically. But over the course of the last year, we've realized that there have been uh, an enormous number of reporting changes week by week. And so we realized actually the best way to capture that data over the last year has been to manually collect that data from state pages. So that's where our long-term care data comes from. A lot of our other data, I would say different sources. So The COVID tracking project was a really important source of data for us, uh, for hospitalizations, I believe, um, while they were collecting data. Uh, Vaccinations, I believe, come from the vaccination data comes from the CDC, I believe. Um, Johns Hopkins has also been an important source of data for us. So it really depends on the type of data we're talking about. But long-term care, that comes from state websites. And one one of the things I've appreciated about uh, about KFF's uh, data projects, the dashboard is it it makes clear the process uh, by 
by which uh, you've made a lot of these decisions. And I also, as as a researcher myself, I also uh, sympathize with, with the challenges <laughs> of of, go, of digging uh, into each state. It's taxing. Um, I think a lot of people on the outside might not yeah. realize that, and they might think it's just these these data uh, getting sent yeah. to your inboxes. Oh, it just fits neatly into some chart. For the past year, uh, for I guess the yeah, year and change, uh, KFF has been tracking COVID-related data. But a couple of weeks ago, KFF published an article about COVID long-term care deaths and cases being at an all-time low. It's uh, And by all indications, it seems that this is vaccine related. Uh, can you walk me through the findings of that article uh, and why uh, why you think that's the sure. case? So in that article, we present data showing that nationally cases and deaths in long-term care facilities are the lowest that they've ever been. So in the article, we present the data per 100,000 state residents. So any numbers that I say um, now are going to be per 100,000 state residents. In in the winter surge that we saw in long-term care facilities, we were seeing deaths of about 1.9 deaths per 100,000 state residents. The most recent weeks of data show that that's dropped to 0.2 deaths per 100,000 state residents. We have data going back to last April, and that is the lowest number of deaths, um, average weekly deaths per month uh, that we've ever seen over the course of the last year, 0.2 deaths. Um, The peak in long-term care deaths was actually last April, exactly one year ago, April 2020. We were talking about 2.8 deaths per 100,000 residents, and that is, I mean, that's an enormous number to think about now. Now, I mean, it looks a lot better now, it's 0.2. We see the same story for cases. Uh, Cases peaked in long-term care facilities in December of 2020 at 20.3 cases per 100,000 state residents. We're down to now 1.6 cases per 100,000 state residents. All of this goes to say we have data basically from the earliest that we could possibly have it around April 2020. That's when most states um, began reporting data in long-term care facilities. The data from the most recent month, April 2020, shows that um, most states are reporting their lowest cases and deaths in April 2020. And so as far as vaccines go, um, we did an earlier analysis in February where we looked at um, in February, the majority of vaccinations were still among um, these high priority populations namely long-term care residents. It was um, fewer members of the general community that were being vaccinated at that point. And we saw that while deaths in long-term care facilities were dropping were dropping really, really fast, deaths in the overall community were actually increasing. And so that's, and the key difference there was that long-term care communities are being vaccinated. The overall community was not being vaccinated at that point. So that is how we were able to connect um, this drop in deaths over the last four months to vaccines specifically. That makes sense. Now, you hear a lot about, uh, perhaps too much, um, but you hear a lot about about breakthrough cases, and you you also hear about the lower rates of staff vaccination. Uh, Is there any research into how those might be uh, affecting the recent trends, or maybe not affecting the recent trends in long-term care? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, The 
CDC did put out a piece recently on um, an outbreak in a nursing home in Kentucky, and they looked at the rates of cases between unvaccinated residents and staff and vaccinated residents and staff. And they found that the unvaccinated residents and staff actually had three to four times the infection risk as the as uh, vaccinated staff members. Um, and the CDC report basically found that the vaccine did protect against symptomatic illness among residents and staff. And so they found that it was continued, that it was important um, regardless of the vaccine to continue infection prevention and control practices because vaccination rates are still not at 100%. And it's because, as you mentioned, um, a lot of the unvaccinated folks in their uh, long-term care facilities do tend to be um, long-term care staff. That being said, you can't talk about long-term care staff hesitancy without talking about uh, the demographics of long-term care workers. Long-term care workers are disproportionately women, low-wage workers, and Black. And so this is a demographic that has historically not been treated well by the medical community. Medical racism is a very real phenomenon. And so it's important sort of from the vaccine hesitancy perspective to make sure that long-term care staff members' concerns are being heard and that the messaging and um, that there's focused messaging for this population on vaccine safety and efficacy um, because these breakthrough rates, it's not, there's not clear data yet showing that it's specifically the unvaccinated members of these communities that are um, contributing to these breakthrough uh, infections. But regardless, it is important for the nursing home, um, for uh, long-term care staff members to understand and to receive better messaging around the vaccine safety and hesitancy. You have done research on vaccine accessibility in the disability community. I'm wondering if there's any takeaways, any um, parallels between the findings there and between some of the findings with staff hesitancy. I know it's my understanding that staff on the one hand, uh, did have advantages in terms of accessing the, the vaccine, but are there any accessibility uh, accessibility barriers for staff? Yes, so there are a number of accessibility barriers for staff. So early on, when the pharmacy partnership was still in place, so I just guess I should I should um, clarify that the LTC pharmacy partnership program ended a few weeks ago, um, but early on in the partnership. Um, the way that these clinics were set up is every facility in this partnership was given um, several clinics. And so nursing home staff members and residents could pick one of those, I guess, two of those clinics to get their vaccine at. And so there were these questions of, well, if a staff member is out, if they're not working the three days of the clinic, where are they going to receive their vaccine? Um, so we had uh, a representative from Walgreens speak on a webinar um, with us uh, back in January. And so some of these questions were addressed to her because Walgreens was one of the pharmacies that was um, working with this L2, uh, the long-term care pharmacy partnership. Um, and one of the points that uh, the Walgreens representative made was, uh, the nursing home staff members at that point that were not able to attend any of the clinics were given vaccine vouchers. And that raised another question of, well, you know, these vaccine vouchers are a nice idea, but what if 
these nursing home residents, or what if these nursing home workers live in an area where they can't access a pharmacy? What if they live in a pharmacy desert? What if there's not a pharmacy anywhere um, near them via public transportation or they don't have a car? And so, I mean, there are these enormous accessibility issues. Um, something that's happened since the pharmacy partnership has ended is there's been this continued focus on what happens to the staff and residents who initially said no to the vaccine, but maybe now they want to get vaccinated now that they see that um, perhaps, you know, whatever fears or concerns they had have been assuaged, uh, where are they going to get the vaccine now? And so there are continued questions of accessibility, um, even as the pharmacy partnership program has ended. Now, these numbers tell all sorts of stories, um, and they're, they're, can in some cases tell us how different states are performing. They can tell us uh, how the vaccines, uh, the impact of the vaccines. The, the long-term care data in general, what, what are the limitations? What should, should people who look at the KFF dashboard really be mindful of as they're looking at these different trends uh, and numbers? So it's incredibly important to remember that the data that KFF presents specifically on its long-term care dashboard is state reported data. And so one of the things that we've tried to make clear is that the state reported data are not comparable. And that's because the types of data that states are reporting on their dashboards, um, there's no, there's, it's not an apples to apples comparison between states. Some states are reporting data for residents only. Some states are reporting data for residents and staff. Some states include only nursing homes in their definition of long-term care facilities. Uh, a number of states include a much wider definition of long-term care facilities, including assisted living facilities, group homes, um, intermediate care facilities, um, and other settings like those. And so the data between states is not comparable, and that has been an enormous data challenge for us. Uh, that's one of the things that we've turned to the federal data for. So the CDC has been collecting data on cases and deaths in skilled nursing facilities um, since the end of May of last year, so end of May 2020. And so in terms of having comparable data, that's where the federal data comes into use. Um, as far as the state reported data, there are a number of benefits to the state reported data, namely that it includes cases and deaths prior to May 2020 for the most part. And uh, it also includes a wider definition of long-term care facilities. When you're talking about um, the burden of COVID in long-term care facilities, you can't just talk about nursing homes. You do have to talk about this broader set of congregate care settings. Um, as far as other data gaps, I mean, there are so many, I don't know if I would be able to list all of them, but um, one thing that we've really been looking for is this, uh, is a census count. So how many, residents are in long-term care facilities. You know, we have data on how many residents were in long-term care facilities in 2020 or in uh, nursing homes in 2020. We have survey data from on how many residents are in the state definition of assisted living facilities um, back in 2016, I believe is the most recent data we have available. So we can estimate that there are about 2 million residents in long-term care facilities um, in the U.S. But given the fact that every state has these widely disparate definitions of long-term care facilities, we have not been able to understand the states that have been more severely impacted looking specifically um, in the context of their long-term care population, because 
we don't have that evolving count of long-term care census. So long-term care facilities, it's a population that's constantly evolving. People are constantly being admitted, uh, admitted. people are constantly being discharged, and folks are um, also dying every week in those facilities. So understanding exactly, I guess the denominators we're talking about, we, we need to have a denominator of how many people are in long-term care facilities to contextualize the cases and deaths of, um, that we're reporting uh, on this dashboard, and that has been an enormous challenge for us. It's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, we at LTCCC just released uh, staffing data for the fourth quarter of 2020. Mm-hmm. And staffing is uh, measured by a ratio hours per resident day. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to know the numerator and the denominator because in some states where uh, staffing levels increased, if you dig deeper, it's because their resident populations were decimated. So as just as you were mentioning, um, uh, it's important not to equate a rising staffing level with good performance and (laughs) vice versa. Um, It is just the the numbers need context. And so Kaiser Family Foundation, uh, can you can you give a a quick explanation of the kind of it's a health health news non Profit? Am I getting that right? Yeah. So uh, KFF has two different branches. We have our policy-related work as well as our uh, journalistic arm. So we've got the Kaiser Family Foundation, and then Kaiser Health News is our news organization that's under the umbrella of the Kaiser Family Foundation. So under the sort of the policy analysis and research arm, um, we have uh, these programs that do research on a number of different health topics: Medicaid, Medicare, um, private insurance insurance, women's health. Um, We have a public opinion and survey team. So we do research kind of across the board on all different healthcare topics. And then our journalistic arm is just their, uh, their news organization that, um, you know, breaking news, all all kinds of things. And were you working on long-term care data prior to the pandemic? Yeah, so I am on the program for Medicaid and the uninsured at the Kaiser Family Foundation, and I um, was working with data. I, I was the um, I was the primary uh, person working on nursing home issues and nursing home data prior to the pandemic. Um, and so, once I guess it was February 2020 is when I really pinpoint. Uh, I think I was reading the news stories about Kirkland, Washington, the outbreak in the nursing home there, and realizing like, oh, like anyone working on long-term care work at KFS is going to have to make some priority shifts and start focusing on um, how COVID is going to impact long-term care facilities. Um, So yes, I was working on uh, long-term care issues prior to COVID. Okay. So this explains how, uh, how it looked like your, your website got a little bit of a jump on all, on all this. You you did (laughs) a lot of the groundwork uh, and the foundation for building these, these dashboards and understanding these data sets. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely, I think, had um, some foundational knowledge of uh, nursing homes and the types of risks that these residents were going to be um, put at if the virus entered the facilities. And so um, pretty early on, we put out some research on uh, the 
uh, on what might put nursing home residents at high risk. And so we flagged things like infection control deficiencies, um, the rates of depression and anxiety among nursing home residents, the rate of respiratory issues among residents. Um, and so we sort of flagged those as potential issues among nursing home uh, or, or like why these facilities might be at high risk. Of course, our understanding of that has evolved over time. But yeah, pretty early on, we, we, were, um, we were keeping an eye on these facilities. And before, before we wrap this up, uh, anything that you're starting to keep it, an eye out, just like l- looking down the line, uh, any data you're starting to focus on that's, uh, of course, everything's related to the pandemic, but that's maybe beyond, uh, beyond vaccines, beyond COVID. Yeah, we're really interested in what happened to nursing home residents that um, were discharged during the pandemic to home and community based, or I guess we don't really know what happened to them. That's that's the key question. We know that nursing home occupancy dropped over the course of the pandemic, but one of our questions is what happened to those residents because their need likely didn't go away. So where are they receiving their care? Um, and so that's been a big question for us. Great. Well, I look forward to that and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll be tracking that closely. We close our interviews with a guest recommendation. So I'm going to ask you for two recs. So one is going to be a long-term care related and the other is not long-term care related. This can be a book, a movie, a TV show, uh, anything. Sure. So what do you got? Sure. So long-term care related. Um, I'm sure I'm not the first person that will, uh, that has maybe mentioned this or went up at a crip camp. Um, just one of the best documentaries I've watched in the last year, maybe in the last couple of years. Um, Super quick overview, Oscar nominated documentary that talks about the history of the disability rights movement and the deinstitutionalization movement. So incredibly powerful, very educational. I learned an enormous amount from that documentary uh, and also really, really funny and just a very, just so heartwarming and just very powerful. And then, uh, yeah, non-long term. Uh, yeah. Uh, so there's a book called "A Woman Is No Man" by Etoff Rum. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. I, I tried tried to make sure that pronunciation was correct. It's a uh, multi generational tale of a Palestinian American family, and it's beautifully written and just so, so powerful. Um, And the book, I think, I I think the book is like wonderful for anyone to read, but it particularly spoke to me as a young woman who grew up in an immigrant family myself. And so I think the book, it's called A Woman Is No Man. Um, Yeah, just such a wonderful book and would recommend it to anyone. I think it's just a wonderful book on its own. All right. Well, thanks so much, Priya. And thanks for the recs or looking for or grateful for all the the data work that KFF has done. And I'm looking forward to uh, your work on the discharge issue. That's uh, something LTCCC is focusing on and we'll be sure to steal some of your findings. Of course, credit you too. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Eric.